Hey guys, welcome to Talk About It, Sis. I'm Amanda. And I'm Maya. Thank you guys for joining us for our fourth episode. Yes. If you are new here, please hit the subscribe button and make sure you follow us on Instagram at the Talk About It, Sis podcast. Yeah. So today we are talking about imposter syndrome. So for some of you, you already know what this is. You may have heard the term and you're not too sure what it's about. And some of you have never heard this before and you think we're making this up, but we're not. <laughs> I don't know if anyone thinks we're making this up. But you know, I said that because sometimes people are like, oh, God, there's another thing. There's another syndrome. What, what is this? There's another syndrome. But actually, um, imposter syndrome was coined in the late 70s, and it started off as the imposter phenomenon. So um, imposter syndrome, as defined by the American Psychological Association, is pretty much a situation where highly accomplished, successful people believe that they are frauds. And not only do they think they are frauds, they have this fear that they don't deserve their accomplishments and that they will be exposed. Um, and so pretty much to add to that, it's um, not just like a one-time feeling, but it's a pattern. It's a, it's a pattern. And although it's not in the DSM, it's linked to people who have anxiety and depression. Like, I think a lot of people can struggle with imposter syndrome on different levels. Like, I don't think you need to be like, oh, I have diagnosis of imposter syndrome. Like, I think it's very common. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it is. And basically just reading about it more because I was like, wow, this is deep. I have this. It does range, but it's also common. They say in recent graduates and in like minorities, specifically women, um, when they enter the workplace. Well, what do you know? Minority women. Successful. Yeah. And I guess I would still consider myself a recent graduate because I graduated in college in 2012 and grad school in 2015. So it's not really? that long ago. Six, you would still consider six yourself a recent graduate? Okay. Yeah. Six, six years is not that long. I mean, but I mean, just in comparison to people who have been in the workforce for 20 years, I've been in the workforce like officially for five years. So yeah, I would consider myself this is a true. recent graduate. So would you say um, that you feel some, some level of I guess some traits? Yeah, like, you know, not all, because you mentioned you don't have to suffer deeply from it, but just have some traits from it. It's interesting because it's definitely been a journey for me. So like when I first got into the workforce, I feel like it was really bad. I had really bad imposter syndrome, like I, which is weird because like I, you know, did everything by the book. I graduated undergrad. I took a year off. I worked at a newspaper. Um, you know, I got a job right out of college at a local newspaper. Then I went to grad school. I graduated with a 4.0, like I was doing it. Um, and then mm -hmm. I got my job and I'm like, I had this irrational fear that I would get fired all the time. Like for literally the first two years of working at my job, I don't know why it was there or why I thought I was going to get fired. I just had this intense fear. And anytime I made a mistake, I'd be like, oh God, they're going to fire me. <laughs> and it was, you know, now looking back, I'm like, wow, that was so irrational. Why would they fire me? And have you, did you have any bad evaluations? Were you ever written up? <laughs> I had no, I had no bad evaluations, um, but well, I can't really get into like my works, 
business and stuff, of but course. I did have right. issues with like one person at my job. Um, you know, when somebody just singles you out and just keeps, you know, doing they, you know, you know how people are in the workplace or can be understand. in the workplace. Um, mm-hmm. but anyways, that ended up passing and it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, so yeah, I wasn't going to get fired. So it was, it was definitely irrational. Um, but I would still say even recently, um, I have two jobs, so I'm a journalist, as uh, most of you know, but I started a different job at a pretty prestigious magazine, well-known recently, and I the same imposter syndrome came back up. So I think for me, it's when I start something new, I'm like, I'm not, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. Like, is this, am I like, are these people going to find me out? Like, and realize that like, (laughs) I just kind of fell into these positions, but I didn't fall into these positions. I worked hard. Yeah, I worked hard as hell. Like I've been doing journalism for like 10 years now, like including like my college training, like I did freelancing and during college. So like I earned this, but it took me a really long time to get to a point where I could be like, you know what? Yes, I'm not an imposter. Like I did this and I worked hard. Yeah. And I think there's nothing there. There isn't anything wrong with a healthy fear of the jitters, right? I feel like, okay, you're on a new job. Yeah, you were hired. Obviously, they like you. But I think it's natural to feel that way. And I don't don't necessarily want to attribute that to imposter syndrome. And I could be maybe a a little in denial myself. But, you know, when I started thinking about it, I'm like, "Mm, do I suffer from imposter syndrome? Or do I just feel like I'm a perfectionist? I think that imposter syndrome is part of it is being a perfectionist. Yeah, but what's what's wrong with that? I think what's I think I'm problematic. <laughs> I think it's problematic to be a perfectionist. Like, okay, like yeah, there's nothing innately wrong with being a perfectionist. But when you're a perfectionist to the point when when you are doing things that are wonderful, you're still criticizing them as not perfect. I think that's really problematic. Mm. Nobody is perfect, and everything you work on is not right. going to be perfect. You know, <laughs> like, this is true. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I get nervous, I guess, for me in the workplace, because I can't say that I feel this way around every level of my life. But in the workplace, if my work is not up to par, I feel like I need to do it over. I need to work harder at something. I don't. I just don't feel like that it should be labeled as something because you don't feel like you've met a certain standard. Like, what if my standards are just a little different from other people's? I'm just saying, like, some people may view me as successful or, you know, you did a good job. But what if that's just not the measure for me? But that doesn't mean that I see myself, I'm I'm being in denial. I think I'm a fraud. I just don't feel like maybe I've met the level of my standard. I mean, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's real or like true. <laughs> what are you, it's not real. Yeah, like I, I have interacted with you and seen you like, like be overly critical of yourself on things you like you did great on or you went like above and beyond. I remember like there was one time uh, Mahdi had a project, Mahdi had a project and you were like, oh God, I've got to like go to the store at night and get all these supplies because it has to be perfect. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> if I was that mom, I'd be like, listen, we about to <laughs> Yeah. I don't need like go hard or go home. Yeah. Go hard or go home. Yeah, I don't think anything's wrong with that. I think we need to differentiate the dif- there's a difference between perfectionism and imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I think imposter mm-hmm. syndrome is when you are actually doing wonderful, doing great things, bossing it out and everyone can see it but you. 
And yeah. And I guess for me, I'm just like, what if that, and again, I can be in denial and that could be part of imposter syndrome, but what if I just don't feel like that's the measure or that's the level that I want? Yeah. And I guess that's where that hint of perfectionism comes in mm-hmm. where you feel like what you do is not enough. Yeah. But like, I don't feel like I'm a fraud. I just feel like it's not enough. Yeah. I think that's also maybe, problematic, but maybe not imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's problematic. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not impossible, but um but I do think what I did experience in the first two years at my job, um, my first job was definitely imposter syndrome. Because I was doing mm. great things, you know, like I was right. doing good work and I was just like, They're gonna fire me, they're gonna fire, like for literally no reason. And that's the part of imposter syndrome that I forgot to add in the beginning. It's like there are external factors, there's evidence that you're killing it. Yeah, And you're still like in denial about the evidence, whether it be awards, your salary, your title. It's like you're ignoring all of those things and still feel like, oh, my God, this is this is luck. This is my chance. Like, I didn't I didn't deserve this. I didn't work for this. Yeah, I feel like I have worked. I really have. But I also think that it's important to, like, define, like, what is success to you? Mm -hmm. I think definitions of success are really important. Right. And I think for for me personally, like, I feel like I've changed my definition of success lately. I think that I used to be constantly, well, actually, let me not say used to, because I think I still struggle with, like, every time I have a big accomplishment, I'll be like, okay, but what's next? Like, so I just won an Emmy last year Mm -hmm. and I'm already like, okay, that was great. Like, yeah, but like, what am I going to do next? Or like, what's my next project? Not less about like winning, but like, more about like, okay, like now I have to live up to the next great thing that I'm going to yeah, do. I completely And understand. I don't think that that's healthy. Like, I think I need to like bask in the fact that I won this great award, like, because I worked really Where hard. Where do you think that comes from? Like- I think it comes from um, insecurity. I think that if you find your worth, like a lot of people find their worth in work um, and, and, you know, the money they make and the car they drive, you know, like in material things. And so those things are fleeting, you know, you lose your job tomorrow. Are you going to feel like crap? You know, if you lose your car, are you going to like, be like, damn, I suck now. So I think that like people in general need to like realize that worth is innate. Um, and it's not based upon the things we accomplish. And I do think, yes, like accomplishments are great for boosting self-esteem and like making you feel good about yourself, but your self-worth cannot be that deeply tied into your accomplishments because you'll always be searching for the next high. And I just don't think that's healthy. And I don't want to put myself to that standard. It's just, at least it's not healthy for me. Yeah. There's definitely a borderline of what you're saying, it not being unhealthy, but also this, I'm not going to say again, fear, because then that leads to imposter syndrome, but this not being content, like, okay, I don't know. I'm not, I don't feel like I want to get comfortable. Like, okay, I've achieved this. Things are great. How long should I bask before it's time to move on to the next project? Because I'm like you. I just graduated my master's. I got my license. Um, I'm like, okay, what am I doing now? It's time to go. That's done and over with. What's next? Yeah. I feel like me is that, is that is that a good thing? Like, yeah, I think it's, I think most people who are successful are probably like, yeah, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? But I know for me, um, especially like, you know, having trauma, um, that, uh, that for me was like a survivor, like survival mechanism, just extending to my work. 
So mm-hmm. if you never stop going and you never stop working and you never stop achieving, then you don't have to really like deal with anything else. Like your whole life is focused on, I'm a go, 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 go. And then when you stop. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm stopping. <laughs> you're actually totally right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm like, whoa, I'm like negating so much of like my emotional health by just being so focused on accomplishments. You're, you're right. And I actually tend to ignore that aspect of me just for me, for my mental health. I always have to keep going because if I don't, then I'll sit and I'll, I'll start to think about other things. So part of me keeping busy is a trauma response or related to mental illness. And so I do have to acknowledge that. But is there anything wrong with it? I mean, what's what's wrong with being on the go (laughs) girl you gotta you gotta ask yourself that question i can't answer that for you i know for me i can tell you what is wrong with it for me but i can't tell you what's wrong with it for you oh yeah i mean i don't know for me i like being busy like i like having something always going on i not you know i don't i haven't yet found i guess it can be problematic but i haven't found how it's problematic for me yet I think for me, I'm just trying to change my definition of success. I'm trying to move away from what society um, sees as the definition of success. Like, especially with like social media, um, there's a lot of like comparison and like everybody flaunting what they got now. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, it becomes a habit to be like, okay, well, I'm 30. She's 30. She's got this great job. Like, this is where I'm at. But my accomplishments in when I'm not comparing them to other people are great. Like I don't need to do that. And also I'm just trying to be like success for some people is just being happy. Success for other people is like being a mom success for, you know, success. So what is it for you? What is success for you? Um, Success for me now is finding peace and joy in my life. Okay. I can dig that. And I, of course I still want to like be successful and in, society standards too, just because we all, we all are like, you know, we live in a society that teaches us that's a, that, that is what is important. And it's very hard to get away from that even when you want to. So yes, of course, I still care about those things, but I'm, for me, especially being a journalist, like I care more about, um, I guess sharing people's stories than I care about the success, the success that I'm going to get from sharing that story. Yeah. Because even the stories that I do, they're not like, Stories that everyone is going to want to hear or listen to. So I try not to right. make that. My you find it for yourself. Yeah. And try not to make it my deciding factor. Like, I just want to be happy, dog. Like, <laughs> So when you did win your award, mm-hmm. um, most people, society would say that's like extremely successful. Did you feel like you met a milestone? No, I'm telling you that I was, I I was already, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Oh my God. Like I did this thing. Great. But then the next week already I was like, okay, now what? I've got to live up to this thing that I just did. So I'm looking at you like, you better bask in that for a year or so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well now I'm like, okay, what what will it be a year? It'll be a year Mm -hmm. next month. Yeah. It'll be a year next month. And like, now I'm like, all right, girl, well, but then I'm like, if I continue to do that and I don't win an Emmy every year, then I'm going to be feeling like shit about myself. Right. That can't be the marker. The marker has to be, am I happy in my life? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and am I happy with the work that I'm doing? Period. Yeah. Period. That's a good one. Am I happy with the work that I'm doing? No. I can't. Yeah. And I guess the issue is if you're not happy with it, then what? (laughs) Then you can improve it. You know, like then you can 
improve like you know i don't know see this is the thing where you're not sure if people's like vision is distorted because like i know when i'm not giving my all like i know like okay girl step it up and i can give myself props when i am doing what i gotta do so i know the difference so that i think that's my issue because sometimes i feel like i be slacking Mm -hmm. like i feel like i'm not on my p's and q's i feel like that I could give so much more. And then the validation that I get from the outside, it's like, what? You're doing like amazing. I'm like, I don't feel like I'm doing Girl, amazing. you have three children. You have three children. You got a full-time job. You literally just were in uh, getting your master's degree, just graduated. Like, what more do you want from yourself? <laughs> I don't feel like I gave, I mean, I'm going to say I don't feel like I gave my all, but I think it's absolutely impossible to give your all to all those things at one time. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that is probably my issue. Like, I know that it's impossible. You're only one person. And I don't know if that's from something deeper, like wanting to achieve so many things at one time, like trying to be like super mom, but also super employee. (laughs) It's it's honestly impossible. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the balance that everyone has been trying to f- to find in general, right? Especially with like the pandemic, parents and working. Yeah, and I don't know how you could be giving a hundred percent to work with your child at home. And so I'm wondering, like, imposter syndrome just generally it come it it's you know just reading about it, it's a little bit of insecurity, a little bit of anxiety. But where does it come from? Like, why isn't it enough? Like, what makes people feel like? They're not doing enough. They don't deserve something, especially when it says when the study was first done, it was done on women only uh, college graduates. Like, what is it about women or minorities that where it's more attributed to us? I mean, I have my the most oppressed, right? Aren't they? I mean, we're the most oppressed, especially especially us as like black and you know, being black and being women, of course we would mm. feel that way in society because society tells us we're not good enough all the time. Right. And that so. would make sense why white men don't, have, don't struggle from imposter syndrome as much. They struggle with egos. They struggle with egos. I obviously didn't have this perspective when I wasn't in corporate America, but it's interesting to how I see that. Like sometimes white men just fall. They just literally fall into positions of power. Like the work that a black yeah. woman will have to do to get in the position that a white man just falls into is uh, just, I don't even have words for it, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then I did read, I was just reading a whole bunch of different people's perception on imposter syndrome. And I saw um, a quote from a woman and I cannot remember her name, but she basically said that when you don't see other people doing what you do, it also is hard for you to believe that you deserve um, accolades or you deserve to be in a certain position because you just don't see it. I don't know if you felt like that when you entered the corporate world. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was when I first started working at my job, I think I was the only black person on our team. Yeah, I, I was the only black person on the team. Now there's men or men or women. You're just the only black person. I was just the only black person. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then as time has gone on, I, um, I, I've worked there for four years. So as time has gone on, we have brought more black people on board. So I'm like, yes. Um, mm. But yeah, I think just being the only black person in white spaces is, is really tough. <laughs> like in general, like it's just tough. Um I haven't had that experience yet, so I don't know. And I'm just trying to 
I don't know. I'm trying to visualize. Like I've, I hear stories. Yeah. I hear stories from you. I have, I have stories from friends who work in corporate America and who don't live in the DC area. We're like, I'm like, this is, I can't imagine it. I struggled like, I a lot. Myself. I struggled a lot with like my, you know how they say like black people have like, you know, we coach switch. You know, we have mm, like who we are yeah. in the office and who we are outside of the office. And that can be exhausting. And I remember when I first started working at my job, like, you know, I am who I am for real on my like social media, on my Instagram stories, you know, I'm out with my friends, mm-hmm. I'm doing my own thing. And I would get right. so much anxiety about like, oh God, like my boss follows me and she's going to see this <laughs> or like, right. I can't post this up there, but like, that's really who I am. And now I don't care. I'm like, Hey, this is who I am. I'm not at work. I can do whatever I want. But like in the beginning, right. that was something I was really concerned about. Like, oh God, are they going to see me outside of work and their opinion on me going to change? Like, how can, like, I'm not appearing professional when I'm out (laughs) (laughs) being ratchet out with my, my (laughs) yeah. So that was something I really struggled with. I'm like, who am I? Like, I, I, I was really struggling. I was like, am I like corporate America Maya or am I? This might yeah, I am both. on the weekend. I mean, code switching, I don't believe we're the only people definitely to code switch. I, I know we have the label for that, yeah. but you're supposed to be Yeah, there's um, a level of professionalism. Yeah. But like and I, I think yeah. I think ours is I think ours ours is a little different. It's definitely right. Because <laughs> yeah, we talk like, about ours goes down to our hair. I mean, yeah. it it falls from down to our hair, to our accent. I mean, mm-hmm. I think about things even down to our dress. I mean, I don't, I don't um, struggle as much For because sure. I work in a predominantly black neighborhood. But I mean, neighborhood <laughs> predominantly black workspace. But even down to our skirts, it's kind of like black women can't wear skirts of a certain lift just because sometimes we got thick thighs and thick hips. <laughs> so it's like everything yeah. about mean, told, what we do, we have to minimize it. I told this story before, but my first job out of um, my first job out of college when I was at that local newspaper, I had a real anxiety about wearing my hair in its curly state because I'm like, okay, like I've never seen black people wear their hair. This What, what year was this? 2013? Um, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I never, I don't really see a lot of black people wear their hair natural in the workplace. Like I'm afraid with how they're going to perceive me. Um and even I was reading a study when during that time that even white women who have curly hair are perceived like as less professional and less wow. <laughs> and like more wild, which is crazy as hell. But anyways, mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, I'm going to wear my hair out like three months in, like it was the day. So I wear my hair out <laughs> after wearing my hair in a bun for three months and my white boss was like, you look like you got stuck in the electric socket girl oh my god i'm cringing i was so defeated like oh my god like i thought i was be able to wear my natural hair and be accepted but guess not you know like i guess you got caught in the (laughs) yeah the fact that he didn't see anything wrong with that statement i was just like god like this is why so after that day Mm -hmm. did you put your hair back in the bun hell no i didn't forget you oh okay forget you tom (laughs) okay tom (laughs) (laughs) no um they criticize us a lot just for being ourselves so I think mm-hmm. it's normal to be constantly monitoring yourself, unfortunately. Like it's yeah. a normal and no reaction. matter how 
sure of myself I am. I literally have never worn my hair curly on an interview. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, because I just, I don't know, in my head, like, I can't take a chance. I don't know who's interviewing me. Damn, girl, And even with people of the same color as me, I still don't know how you perceive me. How are you going to perceive me when I walk in there with my big old curly fro? I don't know. So I, I always straighten my hair. Now, granted, I haven't been on an interview in like oh, eight years. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not sure if that will change now that I'm like older, but I still have this thing like, how should I wear my hair? I mean, I even had um, a friend like call me. She had like a last minute interview and she had like braids in her hair. And she was like, oh my God, what do I do? They call me for a last minute interview. I have these braids. I don't have time to take them out. And we were like trying to discuss ways to make the hair look more. What's the word? I don't even know what word to use. More we don't even have a word like more it. professional. It's literally more racist as hell, bro. Conservative like. or something. It's like, okay, <laughs> put your braids in you a know. bun and wear pearls. Put on some pearls to make oh your braids God. look because yeah. we don't know who's interviewing us. And the thing is, we know it's yeah. a trash view, but we don't know. We're doing this for a job, right? And then we may let loose. Like, I let loose now that I have a job, but on a new job, I don't know. I honestly can't say where my mindset would be. Yeah. I mean, I did that with my second job, too. I still wore my hair in a bun for a long time. But then, girl, I stopped caring. I was, like, wearing braids, wearing twists, like, down yeah. my back, girl. I was like, okay, I've been working here for two years. I'm going to wear my hair how I want to wear oh, it. Oh, yeah, they two all know years, yes. You're getting, you're getting all yeah. of this. All the tattoos, the nose ring, everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they, they like, my coworkers and stuff would always comment on my hair, like, oh, my God, you got braids. Your hair looks so nice. I love it. Like, <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... But I think that takes time. Just, you, you know, it's a shame that we can't just go into the workplace with our hair like it is, however we want to wear. Like, why mm. people don't have to think about stuff like this? It's like, should I wear my hair in a ponytail or should I wear it down? <laughs> that's, right, that's, exactly. That's the end of that. I mean, I guess if they have curly hair. Right. And it's like, do I talk in an accent? Do I not talk in my accent? Like, do I wear... You like, never talk in your DC accent unless you're on social media. <laughs> <laughs> my pot this is my podcast voice <laughs> i'm dead has anybody said anything about your podcast voice mahadi my son has actually said uh this is not my voice <laughs> he was listening to me listen to the podcast the f- first episode he was like that's not your voice that doesn't even sound like you and i'm like first of all <laughs> this is my podcast voice i'm code switch i don't have to code switch here but you, you taught him yeah. what code switching is? He, he probably knows. He he obviously knows it without knowing it because this is not my voice. <laughs> yeah. I think in general that a lot of people struggle with some level of insecurity with their abilities in the workplace. Now, I will say, though, if you had asked me this maybe three years ago, five years ago, I definitely would have admitted to it. But I think because I've been in therapy and my therapist has even challenged me. She's like, wait, what? You're doing X, Y, and Z and you think this? And so I challenge myself sometimes. And so I used to apply for jobs and I would um, skip jobs that had a certain salary or I would always request that my salary be like the minimum. But lately when I've been applying for jobs, I want the max. Just go above and beyond. Give me a... (laughs) I I want the max because I deserve this and I work hard. And when I fill out um, the questionnaires, I'm like, I'm just getting detailed. I'm going hard. And so for the first time, I would say in my life, I actually finally feel confident in my ability. Good. But I think that takes a lot As of work. As you should. 
And it's challenging, but you just have to tell yourself. So I know a lot of it is rooted in anxiety and insecurity yeah. for, for many. Because I, I'm, I'm like, does it take a lot of work for some people? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe yeah. some people literally it's just know. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm like, wow, some people are so confident. Like, yes, I like that. The thing is, I really love to see confident people. It like boosts me up, even though it doesn't boost me up to the point where I feel like them. But I actually like to see it. Like, wow, this person is really confident. They they know what they want. I want to be like that. Well, I mean, I'm proud of us. Like, I feel like the, you know, two years ago, I definitely would have been like, wouldn't have been like, let's start a podcast. Okay, we're going to do it. You know, I would have been so concerned about like how it would be perceived and what people were going to think. And now, like, I literally don't care. I'm speaking my mind. I don't think you care either. And we all well, here. I don't, but I, you definitely like motivated me because you're like, yeah, let's post this. Let's do it. And I'm sitting there like, okay, do you have a following yet? That's <laughs> 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 what I'm saying. Like people who are confident well, definitely motivate me. Like I'm like, okay, yes, I'm right behind you now. Like you got me into this. Yeah. It's funny because I wouldn't see myself as... Well, I guess now I see myself as confident, but like I didn't used to see myself as confident at all. I think I've just, yeah, maybe I've just like gotten to this place recently, maybe like in the last year. I'm just like, listen, I am who I am. Take me or leave me, buddy. If you don't like it, then I'm just not for you. And that's okay. Where I used to be like, (laughs) oh my God, like they don't like me. They don't like me. Ah, (laughs) my life is over. I think that comes with no, age, no, though, too, right? Yes, it's wisdom. You're right. And so that's why it makes sense that when they did the first study on um, imposter phenomenon, that it was in recent graduates. Mm. If you ask these same women how they felt maybe five years later or 10 years later, would they feel the same way? Sorry, loud ass um, fire truck. Yeah, but, I understand. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I was also having a conversation with my cousins and his friends. Um, and I was like, hello, I'm 30 and I feel like I'm in my prime. And they started laughing like it was a joke. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, maybe <laughs> not y'all yet. are not in your prime. But I I literally feel like I'm in my prime right now. Like I enter my 30s. I have more money. I have a good job. I'm happy. Like, it's only going to get better. Yeah. Like I feel like this is the best time of my life. My 20s was like full of confusion, insecurity, like, oh my gosh, I don't know. And I have no clue what I'm doing. And now because I've changed my perspective and I'm like, hey, this is where I'm at and I'm going to be content here. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us for the fourth episode of Talk About It Sis. Um, make sure you follow us on Instagram at the Talk About It Sis podcast. Also, you can email us with some topics that you'd like to see on the Talk About It Sis podcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, you know, we're open to suggestions. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. That's a wrap for episode four.